Okay, so after a little bit of a break in terms of um, whatever various activities were going on while we weren't able to, uh, to meet, but now we, uh, we resume and hopefully we'll be able to continue now for, uh, for a number of weeks or months, you know, at least till, uh, to the Yom Tovim. Not that I'm trying to, uh, to scare anybody that they're coming, but, uh, but yeah, so we continue with the, uh, the topic over here. Uh, this, uh, hopefully this will be the last, uh, the last week uh, where we have the, uh, the topic of the Chira, where we're continuing on the, uh, the essay, which was written, the first of the essays, which was written by Rav Dessler with regards to the Chira, with regards to uh, the free choice. And the main principle, which we need to, uh, to remember, or we need to, uh, to know as we move forward uh, into, uh, into the piece, is the, the assertion that Rav Dessler has is that much of our behavior is not really subject to Bechira. It's not really subject to free choice. And much of what we end up doing is something which is either below our Bechira point, meaning that it's something that we would never entertain the possibility of doing. For those of us who are here, murder would be an example of that. So it's not something which really enters on our radar screen. And then there are plenty of activities which are above our Bechira point, these are things which we can't even conceive that they're part of our avodas Hashem, and they don't really register by us as something which we are which we are striving for because it's not even on our on our radar screen. So the truth is, Rav Dessler says, is that the window where we struggle with bechira is something which is relatively narrow. We talked about it in the in the past classes where if a person is locks in at level sixty five. So his choice is going to be either to choose correctly and go up to level 66, or he'll choose incorrectly and he'll drop down to level 64. But the entire range of what his choice is, is between 64 and 66. Anything above 66 is considered to be beyond his ability. Anything which is below 64 is considered to be below his Bechira point, and it's something which he's just going to do, and it's not even going to be a conscious choice to go ahead and uh, and do so. So here, so where we now resume, let me pull it up on the screen. So where we now resume, so, and this is in the, what he refers to as Paragimel, that this is the, uh, the third chapter of his essay on, uh, on Bechira. So he says, he begins by pointing out that there's a huge difference between your Bechira point, where you're going to be choosing, which was set by God, meaning in terms of nature and nurture. We'll take both of those in terms of bringing you to the point where you are today. And we'll just, uh, we'll just consider everything in the past to be, uh, to be part of that. But there's a major difference between where you are as a result of nature and nurture, and then where you are in terms of the personal choices which you have made over the course of your lifetime. So if one happened to have been born into a school, into a family where day school is where they're going to go, and they're going to go to Jewish high school, and they'll go to Eretz Yisrael to study in yeshiva or seminary or something like that. So obviously their Bechira level is going to be relatively high on the scale because they've been exposed from uh, the time that they were a child to many things Jewish, many things which are Torah, many things which are mitzvahs, and therefore, they may be start their starting point may be at level seventy five. Somebody who was not born 
uh, in a school, in a family which was religious and did not have the benefits of religious education, their starting point may begin at level 35 because they were taught morals from their family and from their, uh, their schooling and their environment, nature and nurture taught them a lot of moral lessons, but in terms of Torah study and in terms of mitzvahs and whatnot, so that may be something which is above their, uh, their, their Bechira point because they just haven't been exposed to it and it's not something which really registers by, by, by them. So he says that one is never responsible for those things which are above one's Bechira point because nature and nurture didn't really put them on his radar screen. So a person who's, who's clocking in today at 35 because they did not have the benefits of, of, a, of, a, of a religious education, they didn't have the benefits of a day school education, they don't have to feel bad that they're at a 35 and let's say other people that they're davening with in shul are at level 75. Because the fact that one is at a 35 and one is at a 75, the, the, those, that difference in levels, which was God determined, so nobody's getting credit for either of that. There's no blame for being at 35 if that's where, you're, where HaKadosh Baruch Hu put you because of nature and nurture. And there's no benefit to being at 75 and thinking that you're at, you're, you're, you have an advantage because there's no benefit for being there if none of it is your doing. Everything was the background in the, uh, the uh, which HaKadosh Baruch Hu afforded you when he went ahead and created you and put you into the circumstance which is going to be most conducive for your level of, of choice. But he says that where we do become responsible is now that's where we now uh, uh, carry uh, that's where we earn our reward. That's where we earn schar for the mitzvahs is if I'm at 75 and I choose well and I bring myself up to level 76 or I'm at level 35 and I choose correctly and now I'm at level 36. So that I'm responsible for, that I'm a chroi for, those times that, that, that I'm doing. And then in the event that I choose incorrectly, and we talked about this last time, the Chazal's notion that once a person gets over that inhibition to sin once, and then they go ahead and they repeat the sin a second time. So what that means is, using our numbers, if the person had been at 65 and they failed once, so they haven't necessarily dropped down a level. If they fail a second time at their very same Avera, now they drop down to level 64. And now level 70, uh, 66, for example, is something which is beyond their capacity. And they may very well be struggling even for level 65 because they're a repeat offender of that particular Avera. And as such, they are now, they, uh, they, 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 they have to bear the consequences of the fact that they've dropped the level and there are now things which are above their Bechira point, but it's above their Bechira point as a result of their own choice. And he goes on to say that, and this is in the, the, uh, the second paragraph over here, he says, we'll just read a, a line or two from it, he says this uh, after those three asterisks. He says, Every choice which a person made, makes, this is talking about the conscious choice, not the nature or nurture uh, a placement of you on the scale, but the actual choices which you struggled with and that you made. So he says, So this is something which is like an epigenetics type of thing. It's something which changes your DNA. It changes your spiritual DNA, and it's going to change your circumstance. Sometimes the change could be very minor. Sometimes the change could be very dramatic. 
and sometimes because of the choice which you made, so it may be beneficial for you, and sometimes the person may have made a choice which is not beneficial for them because they chose incorrectly. And not only that, not only do the true choices which a person makes impact their state of being for, uh, for the future, he says, Velorak Bo, and towards the end of the second line here, he says, Ella Basher Yasa Banov. He says, it's also going to impact the influence that you have on your children. So choices which you make are, are going to uh, continue. As we said, it becomes part of the DNA, the spiritual DNA, and therefore it's something which is potentially passed on to the next generation. And not only the influence which you have one has on their children, but influence one has on anybody who observes that behavior and as a result of your behavior, ends up responding to that with their own behavior. So you're responsible for that choice. So you set in motion, that's the butterfly effect in a sense, that the choices which you make have a ripple effect, which, which could influence all sorts of people in all sorts of uh, different, uh, different ways. He says, and this is something which continue for all generations. So this is something which one has to be, uh, has to be mindful of, they are, their choice is not something as much as we, the Yetzirah will try and convince us, like he talked about in the initial uh, uh, example which he gave, that the Yetzirah tells you that, listen, it's just one cigarette, and uh, having one cigarette in the morning after you quit, it does not mean that you've now become a smoker. You just had one cigarette, and pe- plenty of people have a single cigarette and don't become smokers. But when the Yetzirah convinces you that what you're doing now is going to have no impact whatsoever, not on you and not on other people and not on people who are outside of your family. So that's the way the Yetzirah is going to play the game to get you to, to sin by trying to convince you that your behavior or your actions don't really have a significant impact. But the truth is, Rev. Dessler's point over here is to expose us to the truth and the reality of how things work. So he says, the truth is, is that it has a, it potentially has a dramatic effect and all of the ripple effects of the choices that you make, since they're all going to be traced back to you. So you have to feel, one has to feel a sense of responsibility for all of those, uh, the, the, those choices. And the flip side of that obviously is when a person chooses correctly, when a person chooses MS, as opposed to virtual reality, a person chooses that which is truth, that which is a, a true reflection of Torah, rather than something which is this appearance of truth, this, uh, this virtual reality, which really has no standing whatsoever in the, in the world, that it's just the Yitzhahara trying to get you to sin. So if you can overcome that, that's going to have a dramatic positive effect, positive effect, not only on you, but on your family and on your friends and on community and the future of Kla Yisrael in, the, in, in all of that. So this is, that's why he, the, the name of this particular chapter was Achirayas Habachira, that he's trying to emphasize the response, the, the, the aware, he's trying to raise our awareness in terms of what the impact of actually choosing is going to be. And the Yitzhahara would have us think that the impact is very narrow. At most, it will influence you, but it's not going to be anything outside of you. And if that's what saying, then no. If as a result of your behavior, other people are influenced by that. So since that's going to be traced back to you, so you're going to be, uh, you're going to be a bare responsibility for that. And now he says, in the next section, and this is something which I think is a, a, incredibly, incredibly powerful. So we'll read his introductory line to this, uh, to this uh, chapter, and then we'll talk uh, outside 
in terms of the example which he gives, but he says, Misbar So it's evident from all of this, that when we talk about a person's merit, person's merit that a person earns as a result of the positive choices which they make, the mitzvahs which they, uh, which they choose to do, as opposed to not doing the mitzvah, or as opposed to an Avera, so your reward, your zchuyos, are not going to stem from those mitzvahs and good deeds which you do because of your nature and nurture. If you were just raised in a particular way, if you're raised in a way where without even thinking about it, you wake up in the morning and you wash an egelwasser, or without even thinking about it, you go ahead and you always wash your hands before you eat a meal which, which includes bread. And that's just something which is part of your training. You never even remember learning that you're supposed to do that. There's just always been part of what you do. Says Rav Dessler that that's not really going to be where you're schuyos. That's not really going to be where your merit is going to stem from. Because this is something which is your training has you do this, and this is something which is not a conscious choice. You're not really exercising Bechira. Again, following his theory that a person's Bechira exists at a particular level, at level 65, and they can see 66, they can see 64, but outside of that is something which <coughs> they're not held responsible for, for those things above their Bechira point, and they're not accountable for those things which are below their uh, Bechira point. So he says that those mitzvahs which a person does as a result of nature or nurture, and not because it was a conscious choice on their part. So he says, you're not really going to earn a significant amount of schuyos as far as that. The area where a person is going to be able to earn merit, and is going to be able to generate merit for himself, for his family, and for uh, for Kaiso are those things which fall within your Bechira range, and you've chosen correctly about that. Because he says, because those things which you have been trained to do, those activities which you're trained to do by nature or by, uh, by nurture, all nature in nurture does, and this is, a, we, we, we've spoken this out already, but now he says explicitly, he says, all that nature in nurture does is put you on a particular number on the scale. So nature and nurture may put you at level 65. Nature and nurture may put you at level 35. So your training, your nature and nurture training, that chinuch which you have has nothing at all to do with the actual choices which you're making. They are, like everybody knows, in the, the opening scene of a movie or the opening scene of the opening chapter or two of a book, the function of that is just to give you the background, to tell you who the characters are, to tell you the personality of those characters, to tell you who the, the players are going to be in the story, the setting of the story, but that's not really where the story unfolds. The story begins to unfold once you have all that, you're introduced to the characters, and you're introduced to the main character and the supporting uh, character and all of that. Then the story begins to unfold. So all of those things which by nature or by nurture we are trained to do, that's not where our zchuyos come from. They're there just to go ahead and put us at a particular level on the scale, whether 65 or 35. But, and if I'm at a 75 rather than a 35, 
So the fact that I'm at a 75, when other people who have a similar background as me may be at level 65, they went to the same schools and the same yeshivas that I do, and they're only at a 65. So who gets reward for the fact that I and my classmate who went through the same school system, and yet I'm at a 75 and they're at a 65. So the reward for that, it's my educators. It's the people who provided me with the nature and nurture. It's my parents who trained me. It's my teachers and my rebbeim who went ahead and trained me. Shekimu mitzvah that they did a better job of chinuch to me than they did to my friend, to my classmate. And that's why I find myself at a 75 and he finds himself at a 65. That's not my doing. That's my parents and my rebbeim get reward for the fact that I'm at a 75 rather than a 65. But I can't take any credit for the fact that I'm a 75 because that was the natural consequence of my nature and nurture. And that's what they taught me. That's what they trained me to do. And what I'm trained to do, literally like an animal in a, in a circus or something, that's trained to do all sorts of tricks. So the animal isn't any more intelligent than any other animal uh, you know, that, that doesn't do these tricks. It's just a matter of training. And if you train them, they go ahead and they do what they're trained to do. So he says, it's, it's their mitzvah hazu. And the fact that I'm at a 75 and my friend is a 65, as we said, that's not because of my efforts. That's because of the previous generation's efforts to set the stage for me to go ahead and be today at level 75, whereas the education and the chinuch that my classmate experienced let him only uh, enter the scale at level 65. But that has nothing to do with me being better than him or him being worse than me. That is all the background and the nature and nurture which sets the stage for when I become an adult or when I become 20, whatever age where a person enters into that consciousness where they're going to be capable of making intelligent decisions and being able to differentiate between that which is tov and that which is ra, that which is MS and that which is Shekhar, that which is real, and that which is virtual reality. And now he says, he gives an amazing example, which he says, he says, uh, if you look at this, uh, another essay which he wrote, So what he's referring to over here is the original of Nassim Finkel is the one who's referred to as the altar of Slabarka. So he is the one who um, created and disseminated what's called Slobodka-style Musr. So he had the following vort. He said, we know that Lot, ultimately Lot is a Russia. Lot is a person who's a bad dude. He, he went intentionally to go ahead and live in Sodom. And Sodom, as we all know, are not really known for their moral and uh, their moral behavior. And yet he went ahead and decided that he was going to go ahead and he was going to move to, uh, to Sodom. So now while he was in Sodom, so if you remember the way the story goes, is that uh, the, the Malachim come to visit Lot, and the angels, he doesn't know that they're angels yet, but the angels go, come along and say, can we stay by you? Now in Sodom, Hachnasas uh, Orchim was not allowed. It was specifically outlawed. There were laws against Hachnasas Orchim, and there were very severe consequences for those who violate this, uh, this city ordinance against uh, inviting guests into your home. So Lot, nonetheless, he goes ahead and invites these guests into his home, and the crowd, the community, finds out the city residents, the city citizens, they find out that Lot has some guests over. So they come pounding on Lot's door, demanding that he, that he deliver to them 
delivered to this rowdy crowd the two guests which are housed in Lot's home. And we know in the story that Lot refused to give them over, and he actually uh, put his, his own life at risk by protecting and shielding these two, uh, these two guests. And had it not been for the miracle which Hashem performed by causing all of them to become blind so that they couldn't find Lot's door to be able to break it down in the, in the literally steal the guests out of his, his home or kidnap the guests out of his home, so they would have gone ahead and, do, and done so, and they probably would have killed, the, they would have killed Lot. So what Lot did, he was most nefesh. He literally put his life at risk in order to protect the Hachnas Asorchim. So number one is, he did an outstanding job of Hachnas Asorchim, even though it was outlawed in the city in which he lived. And then number two, in order to protect his guests, so he put his own life at risk in order to go ahead and shield them and refuse to deliver them to the, uh, to the, uh, to the violent crowd outside. Now, that is what Lot accomplished through his own efforts. Avram Avinu wasn't there at this time. Remember, this is after Lot, and Av- after Lot had departed from Avram Avinu because they couldn't get along together. So Lot went off to live by himself. So Avram Avinu was not there uh, guiding Lot in terms of how to do Hachnas Azorchim and the fact that, it's, that he should be Moser Nefesh, he should, be, uh, he should put himself at risk in order to protect his guests. That was all Lot's doing. Then later on, when it comes time to uh, the, uh, to save Lot, to actually save him, the Pasuk says, this is what he quotes over here in this fourth line, he says, sorry, he says, es Avram, that when it came time to save Lot from the, uh, the, uh, the destruction of the city, when, it, when he was actually destroying the city of Sodom, and uh, again, angels were sent to go ahead and save him. So it says that Hashem remembered Avram Avinu. Why does it say that Hashem remembered Avram Avinu, and that's why he saved Lot? So Rashi explains, Nizkar, he recalled, Hakadosh Baruch Hu recalled, Shahaya Lot Yodeya Shasar Ishtal Shel Avram. Going back to the story where Avram was going down to Mitzrayim because of the famine, and when he gets down to Mitzrayim, so he tells everybody in Mitzrayim, "No, no, no, Sarah is not my wife; she's my sister." Now Lot knew perfectly well that Sarah Imenu was not Avram Avinu's sister. It was, in fact, his wife. And Vishama and Lot heard, and Lot heard Avram Avinu telling everybody and filling out all that paperwork when you get out uh, off of the plane as you're landing in Israel. He heard Avram Avinu say that she is my sister. And Lot did not disclose that Avram Avinu was lying. So because Lot heard Avram Avinu lying about his relationship with Sarah, and he did not disclose, he did not uh, uh, let everybody know that Avram Avinu was, uh, was lying about that, that uh, he, he kept the secret uh, so that everybody would believe it. So that is the merit which Lot had to be able to be saved. So the reason why Lot was not killed in Sodom with the rest of the Rishayim is because he did not disclose Avram Avinu and Sarah Imenu's real, the, na- the real nature of the relationship. And instead, he let Avram Avinu convince everybody that he and Sarah were brother and sister. So the altar of Slabarka says, this is, a, this is absolutely astonishing. That's what he says. Vuhumavil, this is absolutely astonishing. When we think about the, uh, what's, uh, what is a bigger act or, or what is more merit generating, 
in the face of danger, putting your life at risk in order to save guests, that they shouldn't be harmed by this violent uh, crowd outside, or not telling everybody that Uncle Avram is lying to them about the, the nature of his relationship between him and Sarah, which is a greater act. Obviously, we would say that in the Mesiris Nefesh to save his guests is much greater act than by not disclosing the fact that Avram Avinu was lying. And yet, when the, when the Torah says that the merit which Lot had to be saved from Sodom was the fact that he did not disclose that Avram Avinu was lying. What happened to all his chesed? What happened to all of his, 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 his mysterious nefesh? So he says that, um, he says, he answers, and this is from the, the last word on the line is Mikan. He says, uh, three lines before the end of the paragraph, he says, Mikan Labadu. So if Nassim Sufinkel, the author of Sabatka says, this teaches us an incredibly important lesson. That whatever a person absorbs, whatever a person achieves or attains, but not through their own efforts, but through their nature or nurture, even if the actions which they do go to the extent where a person is willing to risk his life in order to save another person, but he's doing so because of his training and not because of a conscious choice which he did, this is not representative of the achievement of that individual. And we'll explain in a moment, what is a person's achievement? What can a person take credit for? Those actions, those activities which a person does, which are not part of their nature or nurture, and yet they overcame the Sahara and they chose correctly anyways. In other words, if you grow up like Lot did in Avram Avinu's home, so chesed is something that you're going to breathe in the air and you're going to drink in the water. As we all know that everything about Avram Avinu's existence was chesed, 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 and Lot to grow up for decades and decades in Avram Avinu's home, so there's no way somebody can live in Avram Avinu's home and not learn the lesson of chesed, of achnas azorachim, of doing anything that you can in order to be, a, to be kind to another person, even to such a degree that you're willing to be most nefesh, you're willing to give up your life in order to protect your guests. So the fact that Lot was willing to do that, the author of Sabarka says, Lot doesn't earn any reward whatsoever for, the, for those actions of achnas azorachim in mesiris nefesh, because that was part of his nature nurture, and those are not uh, achievements which are representative of something which he earned through his own choice. And therefore, the reward is something which is ultimately going to be very minimal. He's going to talk about that soon. But it's uh, something which is going to be very minimal what you achieve through somebody else's efforts and not your own. So uh, so Lot could not be saved from the destruction of Sodom because of his achnas azorachim and because of his mysterious nefesh to go ahead and save his, his guests because that's something which was part of his chinuch, that's something which is part of his nature and nurture, and it does not represent an actual achievement of himself. The only thing which he did do of his own accord, for which he could take credit, is he had every reason to go ahead and disclose the fact that Avram Avinu was lying. They would probably would have rewarded him very nicely in Mitzrayim had he gone ahead and said, listen, you know what, like any other uh, uh, somebody who... Uh, 
uh, um, informs on a you know uh, on somebody that's uh, violating the uh, government uh, rules or whatever um, that uh, that they probably would have rewarded him very uh, very nicely for letting them know that Avram Avinu was lying and that Sarah is in fact his wife rather than his sister and that was his struggle that's something that he did on his own accord and therefore since it's something which he achieved through his own efforts and that was not part of his nature or nurture so for that reason it's that action which he did or that inaction which he did really which earns him the reward which earns him the merit to be saved from Sodom and not to be destroyed together with everybody else. Now he says, in this next paragraph, he says, now granted, he says, those things, those mitzvahs which a person does, which result from nature or nurture, it's not as if a person doesn't receive any reward for that whatsoever. So you don't have to feel bad that if you go ahead and you wash before you eat bread, or you make hamotzi before you eat bread, or you don't turn on the lights on Shabbos, all things which are way below your Bechira point, that you're not earning any reward whatsoever. You are going to earn reward because we have this line in the middle of the second line of the paragraph. He says, Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu ultimately does not deny any person reward or merit for action, for mitzvahs which they do. But it's the, the, the concentration of the mitzvah, the, 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 uh, the power of the mitzvah, the, the extent of that reward is going to be very limited being that the mitzvah which was done is not expressive of your own action, it's expressive of somebody else's efforts in their nature and nurture in the chinuch which they provided for you. So since it's more reflective of that person's efforts rather than your own, so your reward over there is going to be very, uh, is going to be very, very minimal. Um, right. And he says, and therefore, uh, being that uh, there are uh, many things which by virtue of nature or nurture we do or we don't do, and it doesn't really take much effort on our part because it's part of our chinuch. So for that reason, HaKadosh Baruch Hu went ahead, and that's why we say, So HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted to provide many opportunities for a person to earn merit, and therefore what he did was he gave us many, many mitzvahs to do, so that there'll be all, we're, we're actually not on one particular scale where we're, we're clocking in at 65, we're clocking in at 35. There are actually many scales which exist at the same time. So in Shabbos, I could be in one number on the scale. Kashas, I could be on another number on the scale. Lashon Hara, I could be at another number on the scale. So all the different things which we do, all the different mitzvahs which we have, so we may find ourselves on different numbers for each of those mitzvahs, depending on our chinuch, depending on our nature and our nurture and our exposure in our education regarding those, uh, th- those mitzvahs. So therefore, in order to, uh, uh, out of the abundance of love, which HaKadosh Baruch Hu has for Klai Yisrael, he went ahead and he gave us many, many mitzvahs to perform, so that we have many opportunities to be able to grow and to be able to earn reward, because ultimately many of the things which we do are not really encompassed by, are, are not going to uh, uh, be uh, merit earning on our behalf, because as we've been saying, this is something which is the result of nature and nurture, not something which is uh, through our own efforts. And now at the end of the paragraph, he says, right where the hand is, about the four, four or five lines from the bottom, right in the middle, he says, hey, um, he says, the truth is, Gamla akum yesh b'chir b'makam 
non-Jews also have a Bechira point. They also have a certain level at which they are going to choose, which is not representative of their nature or nurture. So therefore, in theory, non-Jews could also go ahead and earn reward and earn merit as a result of choosing correctly. And that's why we have, as, as you know, from our, our, our principle, our, our series on the 13 principles, that uh, Judaism is almost unique, if not unique, in, the se- in that we are of the opinion that non-Jews, that in order to earn a portion of the world to come, it's not necessary to be Jewish. Most other religions, if not all of them, say that the only way to heaven is you have to follow our way. We have the, uh, the gospel, we have the, uh, the, uh, the approach to how to live one's life, and if you follow our rules and our commandments and whatnot, so then you'll earn your place in the, the world to come. And if you, uh, you're a heretic or you're a non-believer, so too bad, so sad on you. So Judaism has this unique uh, perspective that it's not only Jews who could earn a portion in Olam Haba, non-Jews also can. It's just going to be more difficult for them because they're limited in terms of the choices which are available to them. But if they choose correctly, so that's what we call chasidei umos olam. Those are considered to be the righteous people of the world who can also earn for themselves a portion of the world to come. But, so even though that's true, but HaKash Baruch Hu, as we said, because of his love for the Jewish people, he wanted our entire lives to be filled with opportunities to choose well, so that we can earn all sorts of merit over the course of our lives. And therefore, the way to achieve that, sometimes we think of mitzvahs as something which is burdensome. It's another thing which I have to do, another responsibility which I have, another thing which I'm not allowed to do, another double bacon cheeseburger that I'm not allowed to partake of. We think of them in terms of what my responsibilities are and what the, the, the restrictions are. But Rev. Dasser explains that all of this is really done out of Akash Baruch Hu's love for us to give us opportunities to be able to exercise actual Bechira, real choice, because it's only through our real choice, not our nature nurture behavior, but our real choices that we are going to be able to earn for ourselves a portion of the world to come. Because based on the breadth, the, 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 uh, how wide the battlefield is, so the wider the battlefront is, the more opportunities for bravery and strength and uh, to, uh, to be able to choose correctly and, and earn reward. And therefore, that's going to increase the value of those victories. So those victories are something which are incredibly, incredibly, uh, incredibly, incredibly valuable, specifically because it represents a real struggle, a real internal struggle, which happens inside of us when we're faced with something where it's difficult for us to differentiate between what is good and what is, uh, what is shakir. So that's why HaKash Baruch Hu gave us all those opportunities. And he says, um, yeah, now he says, I want to read just the, the beginning of this, uh, this section over here. He says, V'hine ha-chokri he says, we'll call them philosophers, let's say. He says, philosophers refer to Bechira as free choice. That's like the, the term that you would hear in English, that the, 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 the person is exercising free choice. But says of Dessler, it's actually not so, it's not so true. 
And we know at this point in the essay, we already know what he's going to say, but he says, when you think about it more deeply, most of our behaviors are not expressions of free choice. Because remember, those things which are below our Bechira point, where our nature and nurture already makes that something which we don't entertain. We would never actually consider doing stealing and eating a double bacon cheeseburger and driving on Shabbos or anything like that. And those things which are above our Bechira point, those are beyond our capacity to conceive and to consider, and those are not things which we're going, which we're going to do. So all of those things are outside of Bechira. So even if we have behaviors which are consistent with our nature and nurture, so we're not really getting credit for that, and that's not an expression of our actual Bechira. So he says, because when you get to the exact Bechira point, so then the person is free, at that, at that particular level, the person is free, to make a choice on his own, without any external force, leading you in one direction or the other. So when you're at 65, you could either take a step up to 66, or you could take a step up to 64, and the scales are basically equal at that point, and there's no external factor which is pushing you in one direction or the other, and the, what you choose to do is entirely your choice at that point. You are now the main character on that stage, and it's going to be up to you to go ahead and choose, hopefully correctly, but bear the consequence of, the, of that choice. But he says, that which is above level 66, so you're certainly not going in that direction because it's too far above what you'll be able to go ahead and, and, and choose. And the same thing is true, he says, as far as those things which are below your Bechir point, so there's no way you're going to go ahead and choose to violate any of those things because your Chinuch, your, your training and your nature and nurture doesn't let you really even entertain doing those things such as Chil Shabbos or anything of that, uh, uh, of that sort. He says, right, because he says, um, let's just read that line, the end of the first line over there. He says, So let's talk about the, our, our fellow who's at level 65. So all of those activities which are level 60 and below, or really level 63 and below, they're below his Bechira point. This is a place where a person is already above that. He's elevated above that level. And these are areas and activities which is, have already been conquered by one's Yetzer Tov. Now here's the key line. And these are areas where the Yetzer has no influence on you whatsoever. In other words, as we all know, that nobody here is struggling whether or not you should kill that person who just cut you off. You may be really angry at them. You may respond in a way which may not be appropriate, but you're not actually entertaining the, uh, the, the, uh, the, uh, the possibility of actually shooting that person and killing them and killing them dead. So the, even if the Yitzhahara comes, the Yitzhahara has no place to try and convince you of that because you're so far elevated above that level of murder that the Yitzhahara doesn't even try and convince you of that. In those areas, you have no choice but to go ahead and do good. Because as far as those levels, which are 63 and below, 
these are things which are already, you've already accepted the yoke of heaven, and you're already consistent with HaKadosh Baruch Hu's expectations at that point. And therefore, it's not really a struggle, and you're not going to, uh, it's not going to, uh, uh, to be, uh, uh, it, it's not something which you're going to earn reward for. Now let's skip to this next paragraph. And he says, V'zohi ikra avodas adam. Now we get to, 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 we'll probably finish with this, uh, this line over here. He says that this is the main component of a person's avodah. So we talk about avodah Hashem. We talk about all of those things which you talk about in drushas and whatnot in trying to elevate in the trajectory of your avodah Hashem and all of that. So he says this is the main component of your avodah Hashem, which is latzeis min hachafshius. What you're trying to do is to no longer be free. In other words, you want to rise to a level where there's lots of activities that you're no longer struggling about anymore. Mina Bahira, you don't want to be, you don't want to face that choice because if you went, wherever you're facing a choice, you may choose bad. So you'd rather rise levels so that you don't even have to choose. Mina and you're going to go to a level where, and this is where your Nakuda Sabahira takes place, is that's going to be at a level where from your perspective, your current perspective, MS and Sheker, truth and falsehood, reality and a virtual reality, look identical. And you want to go ahead and you want to, want to get to the point where you feel compelled to do that which is good. Shayakir Bilvavo, what you're trying to, what we're trying to accomplish over the course of our lifetime is to be able to recognize in our hearts, the obligation we have to the Creator. And just like it's a Dover Pashat, it's simple by everybody here, that we're not driving on Shabbos, and just like it's simple that nobody is going to go ahead into McDonald's and get a double bacon cheeseburger, so the goal is, step by step, through our Avodah Hashem, through the choices which we make, we want to get to the point where all of the mitzvahs are something which are so obvious to us that we're able to go ahead and do them without much of a struggle because we've already crossed that path. We've already crossed that bridge and we've already conquered that, uh, that, uh, that ground. And that's our obligation, is to bear that yoke, to recognize what our responsibility is. is to be able to see the mitzvahs as decrees which come from God, which one feels compelled to go ahead and do. But that compulsion comes from an inner sense of right and wrong, of MS versus Sheker, rather than something which is the result of Achinuch, something which is the result of nature or nurture, or something which is the result of some other external factor which is weighing on us and pushing us to behave in a, in a certain direction. Ultimately, ultimately, what we're striving for is that our feeling of compulsion to do that which is correct is something which is coming from our internal barometer rather than something which is external. Okay, so we'll uh, hold this uh, over here. So uh, next week, Emir Tzashem, we will have...